Adding wholesale as a channel to your store is a great way to increase revenue. But how do you offer customer-specific pricing in Shopify? Well, naturally, there's a bold app for that. It's called Customer Pricing. And it's great for wholesale, of course, but it's also cool to add things like a VIP program where you reward your best customers. So it's easy to use. To put a customer in a price group, you just tag their customer account. Or, if you want to get fancy, you can auto-tag customers into groups based off how much they've spent, how often they order, where they're from, or what products they purchased. So it's really powerful. For example, if they've spent $500 or more, you could tag them as silver, and they get 5% off. $1,000 or more, they get tagged gold, they get 10% off. You could even do it by how many times they've ordered and even what country they're from. With the tagging by product purchase feature, you could actually sell a membership product and then give them a member discount. So if you're a Costco member, this should sound familiar, because it's exactly what they do. To try it out free for two months, head to ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. We took the kids to House on the Rock last Friday. Yeah. For spring break. Because there's like a lot of pressure. Every parent's like, oh, where are you going for spring break? As if I got to plan how many vacations I got to do a year. Well, and the kids are what? What's, what, who's your, how old's your oldest? Nine? Yeah. And the other one's what, seven? Yeah. Nine and seven, they don't give a shit. They, they like, they certainly, they like the vacations. They talk about them. Well, it's not like you're not go- taking them to Disney World again. Not for spring break, no. Yeah, so I'm saying... We're going for Thanksgiving, though. No, we took them to House on the Rock last Friday, which is the Midwest's premier nightmare factory. (laughs) And it... I have no idea how to describe it. Have you been to House on the Rock? No. Never? I've had many people talk about it. It is, of course, I believe it is prominent in American Gods. Yes. But that is my... I have People tell me about it, and I read about it in a book once. (laughs) Was Was it American Gods? It was American Gods, yes. That's a good book. Um, yeah, I watched all of season one of American Gods, not because I enjoyed it, be, but because I kept waiting for House on the Rock to uh, happen. So you're a House on the Rock super fan? I've been at least 10 times. Are you guys called like Rockies or something? We don't, I don't know that we have a community or name for ourselves. <laughs> no. Uh, no, my mom, my parents were really into House on the Rock, so we went a bunch as a kid. And I think it was like it just spoke to their design aesthetic. <laughs> what, nightmare? No, just Psychosis? Like, you know, just barf stuff all over your walls. <laughs> Um, the, no, the problem with House on the Rock is there's no way to describe it. It's the strangest thing. But I, having read more about it, I think it was really built just to like steal money from rubes in the sixties. Yeah, it's a lot of America. Yeah. But it like then turned into something beautiful regardless of that. I think it's still stealing money from rubes. It's It's, just the rubes now think they're doing some art shit. (laughs) Yeah. 
you know, again, I don't know how to describe it, but it's uh, it's a three-hour drive for you. You and Emily got to go. You got to check this thing out. It's so weird. Uh, we'll see. It's cool. Ask her about it. I don't like leaving the house. That's. <laughs> I understand. I'm scared of the outdoors. I'm indoorsy. Uh, so, housekeeping first before we jump into another episode of the unofficial Shopify podcast with your host, Kurt Elster. And joining me is Paul. I got yelled at for using his full name. No, That's he's just good. Paul. Yes, just Paul. P. Yeah. Just Paul. Call him P. Just dog. call me Paul. Uh, the, so one, I'm excited. Last week we launched uh, a new site for professional rally driver, former DC shoe owner, etc. Ken Block, HooniganRacing.com. I thought that was a, I don't know, that's a nice feather in our cap. It's a really cool site. Check out HooniganRacing.com. It is entirely brochure and content, um, but it is, it's beautiful. It's cool. Uh, and even more exciting, our third Shopify meetup is happening this month, Thursday, April 25th, 6 p.m. So if you're in the Chicago land area or you want to drive from, well, we've got people who drive from uh, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Michigan, um, but that's happening. And we have a couple speakers. Uh, Beef Brody from Tactical Baby Gear is going to talk to us about running a seven figure Shopify Plus store. We're going to ask him your questions. Um, my guy, uh, Nick DeSabato from Draft, author of Value Based Design, is going to come talk to us about conversion rate optimization. And he really like is my inspiration for getting into CRO. He's brilliant. Um, so there will be certainly a lot of value, a lot of good takeaways there, and an incredibly high return on investment because the cost to you is zero, it's free. Where you've got sponsors, we're paying for the whole thing. But come hang out with Paul and I. Uh, you just have to do one thing for me. That sign up, ethercycle.com slash meetup. On today's episode... You're not going to ask me if I have any housekeeping? Well, you looked like you were about to pass out. I'm just listening. I'm listening intently. You're letting letting me wash over you? Yeah, I don't want my... I had my eyes closed because I don't want my vision to, you know, take... Cloud out, your hearing? Cloud my hearing, yeah. Yeah, no, it looked like you were resting your eyes over there. Do you have any housekeeping items for us? Uh, just that over the weekend, a search engine marketing company told one of our clients to delete the add to cart button off of his store because that was screwing up what they were doing. Are they, they didn't literally say that. They highlighted, they pulled out a piece of code, highlighted the button, and were like, delete this. And he emailed us and was like, guys what should I be doing here? <laughs> because this SEM person was just like, I talked to our tech team and they said, you should get rid of this. That's helpful. Yeah. Uh, I think that was a case of, of too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> Things get, well, I was talking to um, uh, Gavin at Shopify um, and you get in a lot of situations where you just have too many technology partners. Like we're working on a project that we think has five technology partners and it hasn't even started yet. And we're like, May this this is gonna get messy fast. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Uh is there you got any any lessons there or are you just amused by this? I was highly amused by it and if I will get a cranky hot take, that's probably only ninety percent right, which is that all search engine marketing companies are evil snake oil con artists and you should never <laughs> hire them. But that's just my personal opinion. You can't sue us because it's an opinion. Oh, I see it. That's <laughs> That's like the podcast version of, it's just a joke. Can't you take a joke? <laughs> I'm not That's joking. That's my opinion. I seriously feel that. <laughs> I ser yeah, when, yeah, I don't want to be involved with SEO, not because SEO is illegitimate, but because it is, uh, that industry is a hive of scum and villainy. Yeah. Like, there's just so much misinformation. And ultimately, the end game is, we're going to outsmart Google engineers. No, you're not. 
A better approach is, hey, can we create relevant content? Because that's all Google wants. Every search query is a question, and they just want the right answer to it. If you can create amazing content, you will be rewarded for it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like a six-month weekly or daily slog to do this, but you'll get there eventually. Yeah, so I guess I just really enjoyed it because it uh, fulfilled my prior of all SEM is just incompetent money vacuums. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) Um, Okay, so there was some big news last week. Mommy and daddy got divorced. Yes. Mom and dad are are breaking up. They're getting divorced for real this time. No amount of couples counseling will fix it. Of course, we are talking about MailChimp and Shopify. So what happened there? You want to recap it? Uh, Well, a couple months, mommy and daddy got in the first fight a couple months ago. It's November, I think. It's November where Shopify kicked MailChimp out of the app store. But I don't actually know why they did that, or at least the reason that they gave that they did that. The last time, when it was in November... um, you know, it was over so a violation of the Shopify partner terms of service, I believe. And of course, if I'm wrong, this is just opinion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, but really, like it was a spat over uh, Mailchimp working with Squarespace to add some feature like shoppable they, links they or called, buttons yeah, it was or like, something. Uh, I think they called them like buy pages or something, where if you send out, you can send out a mail thing using MailChimp and then people can click on a link and you don't need to actually have an extant store set up. You could have like kind of a store page thing that you set up already via MailChimp that then, you know, essentially the entire email clicking and buying process occurs entirely within MailChimp's universe. So there was, uh, there was a dispute over that. They resolved it. So suddenly one day you woke up and if you had the MailChimp app installed in your store, you were fine. You kept it. But if you wanted to install it, it was just missing from the app store. They worked out some resolution to whatever that dispute was. The app reappeared, and all was well until last week when MailChimp said, hey, we have asked Shopify to remove us from the App Store because we value our customers' privacy. You know, the big marketing company loves to value people's privacy when it suits them. Yeah, MailChimp really got on a high horse about it, about how, you know, Shopify was asking us to do all of these things we just don't agree with, and instead of... Going along with Shopify's dastardly demands, we asked to be removed because we didn't want to be associated with them anymore. Yeah, ignoring it's like, oh, what's really? It's, it's like just, okay, multi-billion-dollar company. Sure, you guys are the good guys. And I don't think, like, in no way do I think Mailchimp is evil, but I do think that it the whole thing was a smokescreen for the fact that, um, like, we know obviously they partnered with Squarespace. They just hired uh, the former founders of Lemon Stand, which was another e-commerce platform. That was, uh, I think, recently shut down. Um, actually, I don't know shit about Lemon Stand. I used it's it bad. once, like five years ago. We had one Lemon Stand possible client a few years ago, and we were like, "Okay, this was before we <laughs> decided which e-commerce platform we were going to focus on." And Lemon Stand quickly took itself out of the running. Yes, yes, it did. <laughs> um, the so it's obvious that Mailchimp is going to move into e-commerce, and they had that like brandy campaign that's like Mailchimp, not just mail anymore. Like I saw pictures of billboards, but uh, let's just let's just go over what truly happened. And then, so Mailchimp released that little high horse thing, and then Shopify came back with something vague and very businesslike, which was not a good first reply about how all we did was asking them to conform to the rules of our terms of service, and they refused to do it. And it was like that. Well, that doesn't make you guys sound that great. But what really happened was because of like GDPR and various privacy issues. Uh, Shopify changed their terms of service that 
you know, anyone that is collecting customer mail data or data about how they want to be contacted or receive mail, they want the mail provider or app to pass that data along to Shopify. So Shopify knows too. Yeah. So on for probably for two reasons, one for all the legal stuff and then also to create a better uh backend experience for the store owner so all their information can be like in one place so they know what's going on and it's not split up amongst all these apps and also Shopify and all that. So, so yeah, initially they Shopify truthfully did not do a good job of communicating the terms of service updates, which is what gave Mailchimp the opportunity to make this press release. Um but what they said was, "All right, if you're if your Shopify app here are here and you collect data about a Shopify merchant's customers, this is the info you have to pass back to the store. And it was just basic stuff like contact info and whether or not like in a timestamp timestamp of when they did or didn't opt in and out of marketing. Yeah, and I mean because you know a lot of laws are being passed especially in Europe that if you contact someone uh without their authorization, you open yourself up to huge fines, all this other stuff. It's a big pain in the ass. And Shopify is just trying to like cover themselves and cover their merchants is how I viewed it. Yeah. And MailChimp needed a reason to end that relationship. Yeah, MailChimp wanted was and obviously Shopify is not shedding any tears because they were already fighting with them because MailChimp is trying to MailChimp's trying to get into the e-commerce game directly by directly selling. Shopify obviously doesn't like that. Yeah. But MailChimp got in early um with Shopify and they were able to ride the Shopify wave and ended up with uh, 300,000 Shopify merchants as customers who are now getting screwed. Yeah. Because you've got, at this point, weeks until... So, yeah, this is different. Before in November, it was there could just be no new sh- no new uh, MailChimp installs. Now, it's MailChimp is gone and no longer will connect to your Shopify store. So, you got a couple weeks before all your stuff just doesn't work anymore. Yes, and that's... Um, I forgot the date. I think it's the second week in May. Oh, we got till May. I believe so. I could don't quote me on that. Um, but you have a a finite amount of time before the mail. If you're using Mailchimp, the integration disappears. So Mailchimp and Shopify will stop talking, stop syncing customers. It's a problem. So what do you do? You've got three options. One, you could always do nothing. That's not a good idea. Um, you could jump to a different e-commerce platform that's per, that supports Mailchimp. That seems pretty nuclear. Don't do that. That's throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, you're legit. Probably um, to realistic options then now that i've knocked down those straw men uh are replace the mailchimp integration and continue to use mailchimp so you could use uh nifty automation platform like zapier costs uh like 20 bucks a month and you hand write a whole bunch of rules that's like if new customer created shopify then sync create new subscriber in mailchimp uh, that's your one option or uh there's several apps in the shopify app store and i'm sure more will come oh yeah that will sync um shopify and mailchimp um, the one I saw come up a lot is ShopSync. It's a good name, ShopSync. I've not used it, um, but that's your option. And then third, you could use this as an opportunity to switch to a different email provider. So instead of MailChimp, there are there's a ton, and certainly I'm going to get emails of like, well, you didn't mention this one. I'm just going to mention the ones I see commonly. Number one, no secret, we love Clavio. Clavio, 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 or Clavio, however you want to say it. They still haven't sent us someone to be a guest yet. Clavio? Yeah. Yeah, they were on. Who was I yelling about that someone I why don't they ever be, be a guest on our show oh gosh that it's on the tip of my tongue was it out of the sandbox no no that we've had them too 
Oh, Hotjar. Hotjar. Yeah. They're the bad boys. Yeah, they're the bad boys. We still, I've not heard from anyone at Hotjar, so if anyone is listening and knows, can make an intro to someone at Hotjar, please do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but, all right. So, number one, uh, Clavio, if you are an advanced marketer or want to be an advanced marketer, Clavio is your jam. This is, nothing integrates with Shopify as well as Clavio. Um, and it just, they added predictive stuff, so it's really cool. Well, well, we'll talk about some example flows that you could do in email automation later, so we won't get into that. Um, but if you're like, man, I don't, I don't want to be an advanced marketer, that's fine too, man. Uh, you could use Conversio, like could, spelled conversion without the N. Uh, Conversio, you've heard about it. We've talked to A.D. Pinar, who uh, founded it. He's been on the show before. Uh, I would describe that as easy mode for automation. Um, so that's like a really quick, easy option for you. And then... If you're like, listen, we're very enterprisey. We're big business boys. We're big business boys, and we can't take any of your consumer, prosumer grade stuff. Yes, if you turn your nose up at it, that's fine too. Um, check out Bronto. If you need something very enterprisey, that's got you know all your automation features in there. Um, I've heard good things about Bronto, though I haven't used it. And I remember years ago, a lot of like, there before Clavio had really taken over the scene, there were a lot of plus people on uh, Bronto, and. Um, the other one, if you want, like, you do mainly plain text stuff and you're really fiddly, you could use Drip. I use Drip in our business because, it, like, it's really built around plain text and um, doing just incredibly nerdy, geeky integrations and automations. Um, that's a good option to check out as well. Did, wasn't Drip having issues, though, with, like, deliverability and stuff? Yeah, there was a big... Well, all right, so they stepped in it twice. On, at least, like, in for the, the Twitter... Technorati folk like myself, there were um, I yeah lots of complaints about deliverability back in I think it peaked in October and I asked that like I visited their offices and asked them about it and they explained it to me and explained like what they did to resolve it so and I've not had the deliverability issues ever well yeah like any Twitter thing if twenty people are mad yes. it seems like the entire universe is mad yeah so that one I take with a grain of salt. And then in January, they changed the pricing. And again, it was like a master class in, you know, how not to raise prices. Um, so they got a lot of flack from that. But other like now that I think both really at this point, both those things are resolved. Yeah. The pricing is what it is if you're signing up for it. Um, and I I can safely say I've not had deliverability yeah, issues. Yeah, I mean, the, our, our business is partially built on drip. So we're, we're not, we're not shit, shit talking drip in any way. We use them. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah, Clavio. For the advanced marketing crowd, Conversio for easy mode, Bronto for enterprise, um, and Drip if you are like fiddly developer type. A.K.A. Kurt. Yeah, yeah, me. I just like to optimize. I fiddle. <laughs> Paul's always yelling at me, stop optimizing. Optimize my desk. Yeah. I, like whatever it is. I'll, well, yeah, that's I'll the thing is that you like optimize your home yes. in a way that's like, you know, home should just be like nice cozy places. Not running at maximum efficiency at all times. No. Everything about my life, max efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> I'll even feel like write a standard operating procedure for how to chill. Oh, yeah. So that, that covers the MailChimp drama and your options. So really, Shopify should just roll out their own email solution and drown everyone in a bathtub. <laughs> I wouldn't. So I've, I've literally heard nothing about this. Nothing at all has ever been mentioned. There's no gossip about this. Yes. We're making all of this up right now. Yeah. But like if that... If there was gossip about that, would anyone be surprised? No. Yeah. Like, it, it seems like a, a natural thing to do until you 
start playing with some of these tools and realize how unbelievably complicated no, they No, it's can a wholly get. separate business. Yeah. I mean, it would be like, it would clearly be like the most important thing they would be focusing on. Like, now, it would, would be like the top priority thing that was would be the focus of like all new ideas would be working on that. Now, what would be cool and probably more likely is they pick an email platform and go, all right, or an email service provider and go, that's the best one and buy it. Buy it or become like ultra BFFs with them. I th- I suspect they are ultra BFFs with the Clavio team, based on just the the level of. Well, of I mean, like even more with like co branding and a bunch of other stuff. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I picked two reader questions, three reader questions around email, and the first was um, what uh, just talk about email campaigns and what drives good open rates, etc. Plus segmentation. Was the the sentence fragment topic request I got? So the first question is easy. Good open rates. A typical good open rate would be twenty to forty percent, assuming you're not using segmentation. So for me, like we typically, if I do a broadcast email to the entire list, I'll see twenty five to thirty percent, and that's also typical, like with a lot of clients. Which is shocking. Who doesn't? I mean, I get very few emails, but I open all my emails. I might go like ugh and just delete it. Within five seconds, but I still but you open still it. open it. Yeah. Oh no, I just I my step one is look at the list of emails, select all the ones I'm not going to read, archive, or if I'm opening a, a newsletter, the chances are someone subscribed me to it against my will, and I'm scrolling to the bottom, clicking unsubscribe, mark a spam. Mm. Um, the well, and the other thing is like not everyone for the email to say it was opened, it loads a one pixel image. That's oh, hidden in the email. So, so if you have, have images like, disabled, automatic images, inline images turned yeah. off or whatever, you would never get a hundred percent open rate. Oh yeah. Um, but with segmentation, which is a good question, he said, "Well, talk about segmentation. You can get your open rates over fifty percent." But segmentation feels like an advanced thing that intimidates people. So do you know what segmentation is? Well, yeah, it's like you uh, you segment your customer, your email list into different groups. And then you send different groups, different kinds of emails at different frequencies or whatever. Like people who have already bought uh, get different emails than people that haven't bought yet. Or people that have bought a specific product might get a specific email for an accessory to that product. Uh, that sort of stuff. Yes. So, but I think like segmentation does not have to be complicated. And people overcomplicate it and then don't use it. Which I get if something feels like really complicated, you just avoid it. I think the the mindset shift to make with segmentation is... You don't look for who you should be sending the email to. You think about who should I not be sending this email to every time you send an email. No. So, like, I'll I'll do an example. For the MailChimp Shopify drama, that was last Friday. I sent an email out. But I only sent it to the people who opened Tuesday's email, the podcast email. So I don't want to inundate people with too much email. And this is like an addendum email. So, all right, Friday, you get the – or it was 10 days ago. But on a Friday, you got – the MailChimp Shopify drama email, if you opened my previous email. Then there was a follow-up to that. I only sent you that one if you open the MailChimp email because it's like I know you're interested in the MailChimp Shopify drama. So I'm not going to – the people who didn't open it, clearly not interested, so I didn't send it to them. And then there was a third email in which I plugged our Clavio and I just said, hey, th- like this is my choice and here's why and here's the link. And if you have any questions about it, just let me know. And that was only if you clicked on that was very segmented. It was like if you clicked on my video about the Shopify drama, then you got that email. So like I 
it's kind of like a choose your own adventure. You then open the first one. Well, you certainly don't want two more emails about the same topic. Yeah. So I'm just looking for like, I'm always trying to think through, all right, how would I do this? So the easiest path to start with segmentation is use it for your follow-up emails. So as a way to send more emails to people that it's relevant to. Hold up. We'll hear more after this quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your Shopify store. It works with your existing email and chat tools, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler provides on-demand, US-based customer service specialists to answer your customers' most common questions. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat with 24-7 Simpler specialists. Find out more at simpler.ai. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I. And now back to the show. Hit me. Yeah, like if you're, uh, I don't know, if you're doing like an abandoned cart sequence and you want to throw like a discount code in there and maybe like the second or third email in the sequence, maybe you only send that to the people that opened the first email in the sequence. Like the people that are like kind of on the cusp. Because uh, if they deleted the first e- email in the sequence right away, you know, maybe they're already gone and you got to wait for them to come around again. And the advantage here to the segmentation is it's you don't want to send a ton of email. You want to send as little email as possible by keeping everything incredibly relevant. So more in more emails, but to fewer each email goes to fewer people. So the yeah, the abandoned card is a good one. We could also do it like, you know, everybody gets one email that's like, hey, did you have any questions? But then we look you could say, all right, our average order value is fifty bucks. Rather than like lose money on low value orders. You know, say you've got like some low intro offer products. You want to only send a follow-up coupon code to orders over fifty bucks. We oh. do that in several stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You only you 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 give it a little extra nudge to the bigger carts. Yeah. So then, uh, like this is this is diabolical, and I apologize. But when it, I have sometimes I have in the past attempted to trigger abandoned cart emails when I'm intentionally trying to trigger an abandoned cart sequence to see like the whole thing. I'll make sure I add $1,000 worth of stuff to my cart to see what comes back. Because I know if they're doing segmentation, and very few people are, um, if they're doing segmentation, that's going to be the way to trigger it. Yeah, well, you told me about that months ago when you started doing that, and I now started doing it too. Where there's a thing I definitely want to buy, like on a, not like on Amazon, because like, it's not like Amazon gives a crap. They're not going to do this. <laughs> but uh, on, like a, you know, on like a Shopify or an independent store, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to buy it, I... Put it in my cart and wait two or three days just to see if I can get an abandoned cart email, maybe a little extra money off. Yeah. Yeah. It, like guarantee, um, certainly some like some of your customers will leave an item in their cart just to see what shows up. So you want to make sure you're sending abandoned cart emails. It could also be worthwhile, and I'm just thinking out loud here, send out, like, so let's say you segment it. You could do it by that 50 buck method. First email, everybody gets the same email. Hey, did you have any questions? Like you want to make it customer service based. You want to bust objections. Follow-up email, if the order's under $50, they just get an email that says, hey, we're just, we just wanted to remind you one last time, this is the last email you'll get about this cart. Here's the link. So they know they can't keep waiting for another offer. Um, and then if it's like over that value, then we would say, all right, here, hey, here's a- uh, Give them 10% off. Yeah, coupon code for 10% off. And the magic is you want to create urgency um, by saying it expires in X hours, but it's got to be legit urgency. So uh, what's nice at Clavio, you can have it dynamically generate one-off coupon codes with real expirations. Um, and and that, then that works, the, those coupon codes work with Shopify? Yeah, it uses the API. So it generates a, like a single one-time use code in Shopify 
then sticks it into the email, and then that gives you an excuse you could follow up. Uh, all right, maybe they open like if they open that email but didn't click, follow up with a third email. Hey, in 24 hours. Hey, we just want to let you know this email expires at midnight tonight. Sounds or this coupon code. Sounds like Dad's got a new girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you could see why like why I get so excited about Clavio is because it you could just do and like none of what I described is hard. It's really not that difficult to set up once you know your way around it. Um, someone uh, and we'll get into more Clavio flows. Some good examples, but. Um, talking about segmentation and what drives good open rates. Your subject line is the thing that's going to drive good open rates. What I found, uh, you could use emoji and open rate works well. You want to use like a sentence fragment. Um, shorter subject lines always seem to perform better. Like five words <sighs> tends to do well. And like I completely violate all of these rules in writing my own subject lines. We're, uh, we're about to enter the major time period for uh, subject lines, which is the 2020 election. And that's how all those campaigns make a lot of their money is like they send out emails to people who have donated before. And there's a lot of breakdowns online about uh, how the Obama team and various political teams split tested all of their subject lines and you got to read it. And like they'll be just Google around like political donation email subject lines and there is crazy information about what works and how they split tested it. And like, it's like, oh yeah, this email subject line that's like from Michelle Obama that says like, we need your help right now. It's like, oh yeah, that email alone generated $5 million or something. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. You want to see some, some serious email marketing action in the works. Just pick a political candidate and donate 15 bucks. Yeah. And just w watch what happens. Or you just sign up for their mailing list. Like sign up for every single mailing list for all the candidates and you will see the entire universe of trying to get your money, which is what... All we're doing on this podcast, we're just giving you, we're just giving you an item in exchange for the money. <laughs> yes, uh, if you follow Brennan Dunn on Twitter, he often—I don't know if he's still going to do it—but in the past, he has often signed up for everyone's email, like every politician's e uh, newsletter, and then posts the interesting like segmentation and personalization that they do. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of the stores uh, are built on Shopify. Oh, really? We got to get on that. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin. I don't have any inroads there. Nah, there's a there's a company called NGP Van that's like data solutions. I know NGP Van only works with Democrats. Uh, I'm sure they build it. Hmm. But yeah, uh, if you're running for office and have a prominent enough to have a Shopify store, we would love to work with you on it. <laughs> yeah, let me know. <laughs> Happy to help. Um, and then uh, as far as uh, what drives good open rates, et cetera, a clean list. Like if you've got a whole bunch of people on your list – where the emails, you know, aren't going anywhere, they're bouncing. And many, like, MailChimp and Clavio both will, if they, you get soft bounces, it will suppress those emails and not keep sending. Um, but you got to keep a clean list. Like, my, my motto is buy or get off my list. Um, so it's scary to lose that vanity metric of, like, I've got 100,000 email subscribers, but how many of them have opened your last 10 emails, right? Have opened one of the last 10. So... Um, if you want to be really safe about it, there is a service that will clean your list called kickbox.io. I've got no affiliation to them. It's just a, a, a wonderful product, and it integrates with all the major um, email providers. It will pull your list in, run through it, and flag like, okay, these are all the low-quality subscribers. These are like ones that we know don't go anywhere, and then you can have it automatically remove them all. So that cleans your list um, that way. And the advantage there is you will get 
if you have a clean list, you will get better deliverability rates overall. And many email providers charge you're gonna your fee is your monthly fee is based on the size of your list, so it can help be a cost cutting measure as well. Um, but I like to go even more aggressive than that. Every like six months, I will run it uh, in my list. I'll go all right. Uh, give me everyone who hasn't opened my last ten emails, and I do. If you want to be fancy, you could sunset them. Like you, and Clavio is a built-in workflow for this, where you email them and basically like try and re-engage them, and then you run the same thing again. Where you're like, did anyone open the last ten? No. All right, then you delete them for real. I don't even bother with that. I just delete them. Yeah. Not the. There's no thought to sending them like the goodbye breakup email. It's like I'm walking out this door right now, unless you click. It's okay. Or something. Yeah, and that's like... Like trying to save it? Realistically, I think that's a good idea. Um, But ultimately, like, they weren't opening the emails to begin with. And you do, like, open or click. But, so, I like, I don't know. I don't want it. I just toss it. Like, if you... If the for three months, you've not read or clicked anything I'm sending you, well, like, I don't want to be... I'm just cluttering your inbox. So I'm going to do us both a favor and just unsubscribe you. I'm nodding my head, which works for radio. I often nod my head while someone's talking and then have to go, I'm nodding my head. <laughs> like, you'd think eventually I'd stop doing that. No, it's natural. You can't stop doing it. Um, okay. I think that covers, like, all right, good open rates, email campaigns, et cetera, um, and segmentation. Well, here, I'll give you a quick, easy one. Run a sale email. Just pick a sale email, run it, send exclude for segmentation. You don't want to... I hate that feeling where you buy something and then a day later the company's like, it's on sale. That sucks. So segment people who've exclude people who've bought recently. Oh, yeah. Don't piss them off. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's just annoying for them. Um, So you segment them, you send out the email, and then you want to send a follow up on it like, hey, the sale ends today. When you do that, I exclude anyone who made a purchase during that time and anyone who didn't open the first email if you want to get like really aggressive with it. And when you do have that segmentation like that, that's when you're going to see your open uh, open rates go way up because you got rid of all the people who are just ignoring it no matter what you do. <sighs> okay. I would love to talk about best performing Klaviyo flows. Which we've, we've talked about it a little bit. And when we say flows, we're talking about automation workflows. And these are all ones I like we do in Klaviyo. But if you've got you know, your email software supports automation, I'm sure you could do similar things. Um I would say start with customer service. So the the thank you email for a new customer, that tends to be one of the highest revenue emails across stores, second only to the abandoned cart sequence. Highest revenue? Yeah. How do you generate revenue from a thank you email? I'm glad you asked. Aha, uh-huh, yes, I'm a good co-host. So the, you'll say like, um, hey, uh, the thank you for your first purchase, uh, and you want to segment new versus repeat customers so you can do that. Thank you for your first purchase. It means a lot to me. Um, you know, I'm founded this thing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if you have any questions, hit reply, let me know. Thanks again. You know, sign Bob. And then you could do, after that, you could say, hey, if you want to make a second purchase in the next week, here's a coupon code, another dynamically generated code. Mm-hmm. And here's the catch. You can't just give a coupon code or a link to a collection. Put in, um, and Clavio will do, uh, it's got the product block. You could put a block of products in there and you could create a feed for it. So you could say, all right, um, hey, check out what's new in the store and then have it pull a feed of new products and you can personalize it to them. So Clavio will has um, a tracking widget, JavaScript, that runs on your Shopify site. So it knows what products that person viewed. It knows what products they purchased. It knows 
other people who purchased that product, what other products they bought, and it will pers- it'll look through the collection you gave it and personalize the recommendations it makes. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> so people will often buy like that window right after they made their first purchase. It's not uncommon that they'll they'll make a second purchase pretty quickly um, if given the opportunity to it because like they're excited. They're introduced to this new brand. It's fun. So it's a really great opportunity to ask right then. But you need to kick out all the barriers, and that could be, hey, here's a coupon code, and here are products we recommend, and it's personalized to you. Yeah, or I don't think you mentioned uh, direct accessories for the thing they already bought. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a really good one. Yeah, so it's like Tactical Baby Year. You buy the you you know, you know buy the backpack or whatever. You buy the bag, but then obviously they're going to need patches for the bag, and you try to send it, you send them an email afterwards getting them the mom or dad patch or whatever, various patches he sells. That's to yeah, accessorize so the bag. Post purchase upsells with accessories, and I was nodding the whole time you were talking. Um, Post purchase upsells are a, a brilliant strategy to extend customer lifetime value, but you got to segment it so it makes sense. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you got to send the accessories for the product specifically that they bought. You know who's so, really good at this? Like weirdly good at it's Best Buy. Really, I bought a Nest doorbell, and I got like a week, like a day later, they're like, "Hey, hope you're enjoying your your Nest doorbell." Um, and then they try to sell me anything. And then I got another one that's like, hey, since you're using a Nest product, here's some other Nest products that work well with that that you might like. And it was like a Google, um, you know, like the, the Google Home Hub so you could see who's at the door and um, like the Nest security kit, all that stuff. $40 HDMI cable. And so, uh, some zero, some oxygen-free HDMI cables. Uh, no, I don't think they do that crap anymore. I hope they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a... I, Best Buy's really turned themselves around. I'm, like, shocked when you go in there now. I'm shocked they still exist. Yeah, they survived. Like, H.H. Gregg, gone. Circuit City, Hergerg? gone. Hergergerg? I bought my TV from Hergergerg. <laughs> uh, yeah, Circuit City, gone. Who else? Radio Shack, gone. Never thought it would happen. Never thought I'd see the day. Yeah, I remember, like, I loved doing goofball projects in high school and college. Spent a lot of time just digging through those parts bins in Radio There's Shack. There is no sadder store in the history of the world than Radio Shack. Yeah. Those radio shacks were dire. The people in there were lonely. Yeah, it was grim. <laughs> and really, like, they got run over by, well, the internet and, but fries. Like, fries electronics is such a better experience. Well, I also think is, I don't think people are that fiddly anymore. Like, they're not buying, like, tiny little parts for their, like, private little projects. Or yeah. if they do, they're buying it. It's, you know, it's not like a mechanical project anymore. It's like an Arduino project. Yes. Or it's like a Raspberry Pi project which is not the kind of projects that I don't feel like Radio Shack supported. It's true. Uh, anyway, yeah, I love the idea on the um, segmenting and doing post-purchase upsells. Um, some other customer service ideas, other than that thank you email, there's an awesome one um, I love in Clavio. I think everybody should do is a safety net called delayed fulfillment. You choose, an, like, let's say you know all your orders go out in two to three days. That's pretty good, um, or one to two days. You, so let's say if it, it would be weird if an order had not gone out by day four. That indicates like, man, you really got slammed from a sale or something. You could set up a, a flow in Clavio where you just go, all right, if order placed but not fulfilled, wait four days and send um, an email that just says, hey, we haven't forgotten about you. We know this hasn't shipped yet. We're really sorry. Just been, we've been unusually slammed. And um, if you have any questions about your order, hit reply. And it's just like what let's automate and preempt that customer service experience. Cause like that there no gods but shipping. If 
that's the worst possible experience a customer can have. You have my money, and I don't have my product. So it, it's a, I think it's a nice touch. Like, really, email is like your salesman. Yes. Email. Yeah, it's e- your rep. Emails, it's your yeah, email rep. is your sales rep to the people. Um, and that's why I think it, it's also helpful to often, like, to write those in the first person, to try and, um, uh, if you have, like, pers- a lot of personal branding, to just make it from you, the owner. And it lets you, like, you could talk at a one-to-many scale by, because it's still your words, but then the automation is sending everything to the right person at the right time yeah, as you. And, yeah, and if but, like, you still get the replies or send them to, like, a Zendesk, like a support ticket software where you could then go through and uh, reply. And, I mean, if you're, like, really good at that, that's why that's where Drip really becomes extremely powerful. If you're just a fiddly monkey who's extremely good at writing first-person text, personalized personal text to people, like, that's where Drip just... That's where it shines. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why that that's why I use it because I it fits that that niche uh, for me. Um, the other one we I was inspired by Chubby's um, and I set this flow up uh, for Hoonigan.com. If you make a purchase, the first several emails you get after that are like, "Hey, uh, we don't know when your birthday is, so but we got something to send you. We just don't know when to send it. Tell us your birthday." And it takes you to your managed preferences page, which is styled to match the brand. And there's a field for, and this is like the just the easiest way to do it in Clavio. There's better ways to do it. Um, and then they they put in their birthday, so it's just like name, email, birthday. And then uh, upon doing that, next time the birthday rolls around, it sends them, hey, here's like X percent off your next order, and happy birthday. And it's such a nice touch. Yeah, I got that from. For, and you should just say, you're like, tell me your birthday, so I can send you a coupon on your birthday. Yeah. And some jackasses will, of course, be like tomorrow, and then yeah. like, use it. But but it's like, yeah, I gamed them by buying more stuff for me. <laughs> Please <laughs> continue to trick me. Yeah, I got that for I. The NBA did that to me like five years ago. I bought like Bulls tickets online, and then I get to like whatever they demanded my birthday, and I gave them my birthday. And, like, the next time my birthday rolled around, it was just, like, happy birthday from the NBA. Here's, like, you know, 15% off the NBA store. Cool. It's like, I'm not buying a jersey that was previously $100 for now $85. I'm fine. Don't need it that bad. But, the, the cat, like, what's <laughs> magical about that is, you know, if you have thousands of people on your email list, you are now sending personalized sales emails every single day automatically. So, like, that's just revenue coming in. That's just in. free money. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it, like... It's your, you know, it's your birthday. You're feeling good. Maybe you got a gift card from somebody. You know, Visa gift card. All right, that's a good time to hit them up with a coupon code. Yeah, I'm sure we've talked about the thank you email with suggested items in there. Yeah, you touched on you touched on something that I think we need to ultra emphasize. Getting your email straight. Once your store loads and people can buy things on your store, once those two things are handled, that can be handled very easily. Getting your emails straight and kicking ass is the most important thing you can do. Absolutely. Yeah, well, for two reasons. One, um, you can extend customer lifetime value, and you can convert more customers. And it's automated. If you get all the automation set up, it's literally, it's sit on your ass money. It's our favorite thing in the the entire world. It's just the emails go out, the money comes in, and you did nothing. You did that initial setup that first couple days you were tearing your hair, hair out trying to get it all handled. But then after that, it's just money rolling in. I was talking uh, earlier with a, a store that sells um, coffee and coffee-related stuff online, and they'd done six figures in 30 days, and they, um, you know, their their flows were generating thousands of dollars, and they hadn't updated them in three years. Just three years, they just ran on autopilot, making thousands. 
And obviously there's like an opening to re-optimize those and look at how well they worked out and like poke at them. But also they don't have to do that. That's the, yeah, like certainly if you, you've got the resources, do it, invest in it. But if not, nothing will break, nothing will go wrong if you don't. Yeah, if you did it right the first time, you could just ride that wave for a long time. Yeah, that's once it's set up, like it, it's, it, you could be a fiddle monkey like me and optimize the absolute hell out of it. Or you could set it and forget it. The the other one that people often overlook, and it's so easy, is browse abandonment, where it's simply, if they viewed a product and then bounced, you could send them an email that goes, hey, see something you liked? <laughs> and here's a link back to it. Because, it, like, people... Is that too creepy? No. Not at this point. Like, five years ago, maybe people... Eh, like, six years ago, maybe people would have been weird about it. Um, but at this point, I think we all know... That there's not a person who's like watching, going through the server logs, and they're like, Paul looked at this. He looked at this Bulls jersey. All right, Steve, go write that email to Paul. <laughs> Tell him about the jersey. Like, I think they get it's, you know, entirely um, automated. Plus, everybody's seen remarketing ads on Facebook. I like, want Lori Markinen. <laughs> I don't know who that is. He's a Finn. He's the finisher. I see. <laughs> Sports. This is how you must feel when I talk about car stuff. Oh, yeah. Cars are just like, oh, yeah, it's got a six overhead uh, <laughs> ultra cam uh, rear shooter. And, okay. Uh, the, yeah, you know, it, uh, it's the, it increases the uh, torque mix on it. Uh, it's really cool. I do, I do enjoy the sports business talk. <laughs> uh, sports business gossip's fabulous. Of course, I'm paying attention um, when the, uh, the New England Patriots owner went down. Got busted for a handy J? For a handy J, yeah. An well, HJ. The, the bigger thing is the... Um, Deadspin got a uh, a cache of all the Ricketts' emails from when the Ricketts family bought the Cubs. Oh, no. So it's like all the negotiations, all the family sniping at each other because, like, all the kids were mad that Tom Ricketts was, like, the face. And they were like, what about us? We're rich billionaires, too. And, like, their dad's a super right-wing ultra-psycho who, like, thinks Obama was born in Kenya and is a Muslim <laughs> and is trying to destroy America and all his emails about that. Uh, but yeah, you should read the Ricketts emails if you're in a sports business. You could see the bidding and valuation of a baseball team. Okay, I will definitely check that out. And on that note, uh, I think we should wrap it up there. Sure. Okay, bye, Paul. <laughs> one final note before we go. I wanted to remind you about the one Shopify theme my agency has used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable, feature-packed theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates. Calling it a theme doesn't do it justice. I think of it as a rapid prototyping tool for Shopify stores. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will give you a full refund. To check it out now, go to ethercycle.com slash turbo and use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's ethercycle.com slash turbo. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, the unofficial ShopifyPodcast.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including some details you might have missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them, and thank you. 
The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, and produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.